0: Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. So a few years back, I was, I was struggling. I was struggling with being a pastor and, and working in a white-collar environment. Along with this, there was something that just kept coming up in my life just over and over again, and it got me curious. You see, I went and applied for this continued education program, and they kept talking about emotional health, and I didn't like it. And I didn't want to talk about it. I went uh, for an interview. Again, this was before I got here, so don't think anything of this. But I went for an interview at this one church. It was a pretty big church, and I was talking to them. And they kept talking about emotional health stuff. And I didn't like it. And there were separate incidences, a couple other things that happened. I saw this common theme, this pattern that kept coming up, is that I was having problems with emotional issues. In fact, if people would start talking about them and start wanting me to talk about them, I was disgusted with it. It was just like, we don't, I don't, why do we need to talk about that? Why do we need to go there? And because it kept popping up over and over, y'all ever had something like that happen where the same reoccurring thing? We like to ignore that reoccurring thing, don't we? I'm wise enough to know hold on, there's an issue. So I called my mentor, I reached out and I said, I think I have an issue. I don't know what the issue is, but I think I have an issue and I need to dig a little deeper on it. He said, no problem. He put me in contact with a Christian behavioral psychologist to work through a doctor type, to work through some things. And I tell you this to say, it was life changing. You should had a very hard time working with and being around people who came from a different background than me. He said, these are his words, he said, I developed a survivor's mentality. I didn't know what that was. He said, because of all the traumatic things, which I didn't consider them traumatic, I considered them normal, right? His perspective, not mine. Because of all the traumatic things I dealt with, he said, my mentality had adapted and changed to have this thing called the survivor's mentality. And remember, trauma simply means distressing or disturbing experience. He said, because of the things I grew up with, some of the things I grew up with, I've I've adapted in my mentalities, what he called the survivor's mentality. And instead of dwelling on my emotions and instead of allowing them to drag me down and feeling defeated and helpless, which can turn into a victim's mentality, he said, I chose not to dwell, rather ignore them, not paying attention to them, become detached from emotions. Basically picked up the mindset, suck it up and move on. That mentality worked perfect for being in the army. It was exactly what they were trying to develop. It was already normal me. It was a perfect fit, but not so much sitting in a room full of people talking about things that I deemed pointless or silly. So evidently, my intensity didn't always match the environment. That's some things I had to work through. You see, I didn't like conflict. And what I didn't understand is that the way I dealt with conflict wasn't necessarily helpful for me now. It was extremely helpful for me back then. But now in a white-collar environment where things aren't really that high at stake, like there's no life or death happening in this room that I'm dealing with, this white-collar environment, you need to chill a little. And I didn't know that. I'd have never worked through that. So the the traumatic environments and the emotional protection that I have established had come to end up harming me, hurting me later. My tool for dealing with emotional or conflict was a hammer. And he said, you need to develop some more tools. And what I heard from our initial conversation, this is what I heard from him, this is not what he said, this is what I heard. What I heard was stop being you. What I heard was, become somebody different, you can't be you, and I thought, how in the world am I supposed to do that? What he's actually saying is, I'm not gonna make it in ministry. I ended up coming in a place of utter despair thinking I failed God, you ever felt like that? Thinking that I knew what he'd called me into, I knew what he'd brought me into, I knew that 10 years of education after high school I went through for him to just find out that hey, It's not gonna work out, go do something else. So what am I supposed to do now, deliver pizza? My degrees do not work in any other field at all. It was rough, but I continued to work with him and I got help, and luckily I learned, check this out, that all Christians are called to be something different in their lives. This wasn't just a me thing, this was an all of us thing. So no matter what my profession was gonna be for the glory of God, I had to work through this stuff. And I've told you the other story. After school at 18, um, I didn't do so well in school. I've talked to you about those things and I ended up going to a psychiatrist for whatever reason because they thought I might have a problem and the psychiatrist said, this was 18, right? I'm I'm backtracking now. Psychiatrist says, yes, you have a mental health disorder. For the record, I reject that. Just to make that very clear, I, I reject Everything they say about that. But that's what they say. But it did help me understand that I was wired different. And what I had to learn at a young age and what I had to learn to deal with is that how I behave and how I think will be considered for the rest of my life not normal to everybody else. They said, you're ADHD. And they said, that explains your lack of interest lack of being able to concentrate, impulsivity, basically all the hyperactives thinking that nothing matters. All of that can be summed up to this. I just said, well, y'all are boring. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a problem. Y'all just aren't that interested. that's the way I interpret this stuff. So I took some medication for a short period of time. and, And to be honest, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying for me, I was an adult. I didn't like it. It stopped me from being me. It didn't work for me at all. So, according to professionals, I have a mental health disorder and I have emotional health issues from trauma. I am not bragging about this at all. I promise I would rather not tell a single person. I've already told you I don't like emotional stuff, anyways. But yet, I tell you this to let you know that for over 20 years, I've dealt with emotional and mental health issues. It's something I understand. It's something I've had to confront, I've had to work through, and I've had to be so intentionality, uh, intentional about these things. And so for my goal today is simply this, for anybody out there, is I want you to know that if you're struggling, you're not alone, and you don't have to be alone. You're not alone, and you don't have to be alone. I want you to know that it's okay not to be okay I want you to know that millions of people are struggling with mental and emotional health issues because of trauma and pain or whatever else the reason may be. But I want you to know that God can bring you through. God really can use what you're going through for his glory. And what I've had to learn and what I've had to deal with through all of these things is I've learned that the mental and health components, the mental and emotional health components, I've learned that Christianity actually has quite a bit to say about them. And while mental health and emotional health issues are becoming more accepted today in society, do you know they've always been a part of the Bible? The Bible tells us that sin has wreaked havoc in our world to include mental and emotional health. All of us have to deal with things, just some maybe more than others. And while for me, medicine, psychologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, psychologists, I get them confused, those guys, while they have been helpful, they've never taken or been able to do what God has been able to do in my life. You see, mental and emotional health is just as much of a spiritual thing as it is a physical thing or medical thing. And what I get concerned about is far too often we run straight to the medical experts rather than thinking or even considering that maybe, just maybe, there's a spiritual issue going on. I've learned that it's both mental. Our mental and emotional health is physical, but also spiritual. Because we are both physical and spiritual beings. You see, one thing the Bible is very clear about, and I don't like it. I'll just let you know up front, I don't like this part. But the one thing that the Bible is very clear about is that all of us are going to experience suffering, hardships, and pain. Suffering is defined as the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. It's a period of life that's extremely uncomfortable, and at times it can feel like there's no way we can bear it, there's no way we can keep going. But what's very unique to our faith, and this is very important from a modern worldview, this is very important, what we have to understand is biblically suffering is not a bad thing. I think it is. But biblically, suffering is one of the ways God grows our faith. God uses suffering, think of the cross and a suffering savior. God uses suffering for glory. We don't understand it, we don't like it, but it's all throughout the Bible. God wants to produce character and perseverance and all these other things in our lives through pain, suffering. Jesus talks about it. James, the brother of Jesus, talks about it. Peter, the leader of the apostles, talks about it. Paul, the apostle, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, talks about it. All of them, every one of them, I didn't have, I had all the scripture references and we're going to walk through and we don't have time for it. You just have to trust me. But all of them explain that God works through suffering in our lives. All of them say, expect it. We already know it's real, we're human, but expect it and understand God works through suffering. So today, we're gonna look at what Peter says about suffering. He's the leader of the disciples and why I'm always encouraged by Peter. I know a lot of people aren't. I don't know how you feel about Peter. I like Peter. He makes me feel good because as personalities go, I have far more common with Peter than like a lot of them. John's always talking about love, I'm like, come on, John. We know you're in touch with your emotions, man. I know Jesus loved you. Relax. Like, come on, chill with it. But Peter, constantly speaking before he thinks, blurting things out, cutting people's ears off. You know, wrist taker type. Wrist taker type. I resonate with that. And he was the leader. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. He was the leader. But yet, in his letter, 1 Peter we see him writing to Christians who've experienced a ton of hardships, pain, trauma, and suffering. And after he writes about us receiving our inheritance in heaven, the verse is already up here. He writes this, In all this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Some of us are like, yeah. Peter's he was like, yeah, I know. That's part of it. And first, we have to understand this little while part, this can be all 70 to 90 years of your life. I'm just letting you know. That's how that works. In light of eternity, 7 to 90 years, 100 years isn't that long. But Peter's writing to comfort the Christians who's experiencing a massive amount of persecution, a massive amount of suffering. He's saying, I know what you're going through. I know you're dealing with these trials, these hardships, this suffering, And he says, while you're dealing with him, I know. So we have to understand trials. This is the hardships. These are these painful things we're dealing with. And he says, I know in those trials, in those hardships, you're experiencing this grief, this emotional thing. See, Peter's well aware of 2,000 years ago, we think the Bible doesn't understand. But 2,000 years ago, they already knew. Yeah, these physical things you're dealing with has this emotional aspect. He says, I know you're suffering. I know you're dealing with this. I know it's hard. And he knows about the suffering. He knows the mental anguish involved. And so later in his letter at the end, we're gonna walk through these verses. He explains how we can work through this suffering, some practical steps that we can use for our mental and emotional health to to, to work through this. He says this, 1 Peter 5, uh, 6. We're just gonna look at verse 6 and 7. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. Ever felt anxious about anything? Yeah, me too. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble. You see, pride tells us, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I can handle this. Pride says, all I need is me. Pride causes me to pull away from everyone, everything else, isolate myself, and we think, I am unique. No one else has gone through this. No one else feels this. No one else has experienced what I'm experienced. Pride tells us, and this sounds weird, but pride tells us we are the greatest sufferers ever. And no one could understand. We're the greatest ever. We are unique. Pride also says, I don't have any issues. For the record, yes, you do. You just might not be brave enough to work through it. That's all it is. But humility says, I need you, Lord. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. He says, and in due time, the Lord will lift you up in due time. So we trust in him for that, meaning he's going to bring us through. He will bring us through. So how do we humble ourselves? If we humble, he'll bring us up. How do we humble ourselves? Well, this is what this verse is. Cast all your anxiety on him. Humble yourselves at cast. This is how he's telling us to do that if you want to know if you're humbling, cast all your anxiety upon the Lord. Talk to him. Notice he understands the suffering, anxiety, the mental components. He's saying, yeah, I understand that if you're suffering, you're going to deal with emotional things too. So give all that emotional stuff, all your feelings, all that anxiety, cast it upon God. We have to give it to him, all that stuff that's going on inside of our lives. You see, what it means, part of what it means to have faith in God is pouring our hearts and our emotions to God, trusting him with that, saying, here, God, I can't do this. Only you can. So we learn we're to express our pain to God. Look at how David, the warrior king, I have to say this kind of stuff when I'm talking about emotions to remember I got to do it too. David, the warrior king, right, the one who killed Goliath. Look at how in touch he was with his emotions. Look at what he says in Psalms. Psalms 13, yeah. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Excuse me, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Y'all ever wrestled with your thoughts day after day? Ever had sorrow in your heart? See, this is David expressing his pain to God. The biblical word is lamenting. Lamenting is when we take our sadness and our pain and we give it to God. About a third of the Psalms are laments. They teach us how to go to God, how to share our feelings, how to share all this stuff inside of us with him. If you're unfamiliar with this, read through the Psalms this year. The Psalms will teach you how to share your inner thoughts. You'll read through them and be like, well, these guys are all messed up. I know, they're human. They just lay that stuff out there to God. So we got to get this stuff out. And if we don't, and for the record, w- w- what happens if we don't get it out? What are our other options? Detaching? Well, I've done that. We declare it doesn't matter. I don't have to feel that. I don't have to deal with that. You know what ends up happening? You end up wondering, I don't want to share that part with you. Who? I'm just going to skip that part. I went too far. You can't detach from your emotions. It's going to wreck the rest of your relationships. The only way to have intimacy, the only way to actually have community, the only way to build trust with other people is being raw, vulnerable, and feeling those emotions because we were created to experience emotions. A lack of emotions will wreck your relationships. So we can detach. We can fake it. Y'all ever just walked around pretending everything was good? Sure you have, every single day. How is life? Great. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Come on, be honest. Or what else? We distract ourselves. That's the bad one. We escape, don't we? Drugs, alcohol, porn, shopping, technology. We distract ourselves with all this other because we don't want to deal with that pain. But yet we are invited to deal with our emotions, to feel those emotions, to express that pain in a different way. We are invited to lament and cast all of that upon God, which means we don't run from it. We don't move past it. We deal with it and use it and express it to him. Once more, listen to David express his pain. He says, hear my prayers, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forgot to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake and I have become like a bird alone on the roof. Talk about depression, not eating, can't work through what's going on. David felt it too. And yet David, a man after God's own heart, a man who God used in a great way, expressed and emotionally let his cries out to the Lord. We're called to do this because, look at the next part of what Peter says. He cares for you. Did you know God cares for you? Did you know He loves you? Even when it doesn't feel like He loves you, God loves you. Way before you've done anything to deserve it, God loved you. The presence presence of suffering doesn't mean He doesn't love you. The presence of suffering means you're a human being and it's part of being human. But God still loves you. This world is broken but he can use that for his glory. So Peter says, express yourself, humble yourself by casting your cares on the Lord because he loves you and he cares about you. And he tells us why we have to do this, why we gotta get it out, why we can't keep it in, why we can't detach. He says, because we have a real enemy and be alert and be sober. Look what he says in 1 Peter 5.8. Next slide, yep. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he says, resist the enemy, be alert, and be sober. See, evidently, Peter understands what it means to be human. He understands the natural inclination, you and I, or maybe not you, maybe just me and we, maybe some other people, we have to want to alleviate that pain. We want to alleviate that suffering through all sorts of different ways. Peter calls us to be sober, not to drown it out in alcohol, not to drown it out in drugs. So many people, my own family, maybe yours as well, self-medicated away. What they found and what I hope you don't find, it doesn't work. It created more pain and more problems than it solved. Now, I'm not against prescription drugs. I don't want you to hear that. But I do ask you to exercise caution when it comes to prescription drugs and things like that. They can be helpful. Modern medicine can be extremely helpful. But we have to be careful. They can cause more pain than they can help. And so what I suggest, just from my 20 years experience with this stuff, what I suggest is that when you work through this, ensure you're working with a doctor who has other tools than just a prescription pad. My opinion is any medicine works best with another form of therapy that goes along with it. What I'm saying is when they threw ADHD pills at me, And nothing else, it didn't work. I needed help, not just a pill. Perhaps it would have worked better hand in hand with some therapy. That's just my experience and what I've worked through. So Peter understands that when we're in suffering, when we're in pain, we want to escape it. But he says, in that pain, in that suffering, during that time, be alert and be sober, because the enemy wants to capitalize on that suffering. When we're in it, we want to get out of it. We'll look for all sorts of different ways, Says, but watch out, because Satan is prowling around looking to devour you in the midst of that. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to ruin your life. And what we've learned before is the number one way he works biblically is through lies. And that sounds so innocent, it doesn't sound like a big deal until you hear over and over again that you're not good enough, that nobody loves you, that nobody cares about you, that no one would miss you if you were gone. Those lies are from the pits of hell. And if you keep hearing them over and over and over, they can be exhausting. It can wear you out. It can beat you up. Believing those lies can send you into spiraling in depression. And listen, all of us experience those horrible thoughts. Well, I can't say that. I have. I know plenty of others who have as well. But if you dwell on them, if you find yourself really believing them and owning them and taking those steps mentally with those, you're headed for a very dark place. So what I ask is for you to seek help. If you get them, and you can't just get rid of them, and you keep dwelling, and they're becoming overbearing, if you're hurting, get help. We all need help during painful times, every single one of us, because we have a very real enemy who wants to take advantage of that pain, wants to take advantage of that suffering. And I don't know how it all works, but I do understand that mental and emotional health is a spiritual thing as much as anything else. And that's what I want us to at least be aware of, at least start having conversations about being honest, that listen, we have an enemy that's attacking attacking you mentally and emotionally. Be aware of it, you're not abnormal, this isn't unique to you. This is what every single one of us deal with. And the more you resist, the harder it feels because you're not just giving in. It's easy to give in, isn't it? It's easy to give in to temptation, but not giving in, that's a whole different thing. Then you have to figure out what willpower and self-control and all that stuff is, and that is an uncomfortable journey to walk down. Because of these attacks, he says, to stand true on God's word. That's why we're gonna go through this study in 2022 to get some truth under our belt. He says to stand firm and to fight. Next slide. 1 Peter 5, 9. He says, resist him, that is Satan, standing firm in the faith. We have to stand firm and fight. We're not supposed to be passive. We're supposed to be active in our faith. We resist the lies. We resist the temptations. We resist giving in, and we stand firm in our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be honest with you. This can be radically exhausting, and difficult because we are in a spiritual battle for the rest of our lives, and I wish it wasn't true. Some days I'm just exhausted, I am beat down, I am tired, and I just said, Lord, I wish I was normal. To which I'm reminded, being actively engaged in a spiritual battle is normal. The question is, why aren't others actively engaged in the battle? Why aren't you fighting? Why aren't you standing firm in the faith? It is normal to be actively engaged in emotional and spiritual battle. It just is. And so I'm comforted to know people like Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers to have ever walked this earth, Martin Luther, the great Reformation guy, right? You've heard of these people. These great preachers and pastors of the faith struggled massively with depression. You should read their writings. I mean, massively struggled with it. They were very dark. It's comforting to know people like Dwayne Johnson or The Rock, right? Y'all know who The Rock is? We all know The Rock. He's publicly come out and talked about his struggles with depression and needing to get help. Folks, you're not alone. We all work through, have to work through this and deal with it. Some of us on different levels. But that's why we're to resist and stand firm in the faith. And for the Christian, we choose to stand firm even when we don't feel like it. C.S. Lewis explains this battle very well. He says, and all of us will deal with faith faith and reason, right? The logical part of our life on this side. And then we have the emotionation and imagine on the other side. And the trick is to keep believing and keep standing firm when our emotions and imaginations start to take over. Y'all ever had that happen? He explains this. Well, look at his example. He says this. He says, for example, for example, my reason is perfectly convinced by a good evidence that the anesthetics do not smother me and that a properly trained surgeon does not start operating until I am unconscious. But that does not alter the fact that when they have me down on the table and clap their horrible mask over my face, isn't that funny, horrible mask over my face? Okay, yeah, over my face, a mere childish panic begins inside of me. I start thinking I'm going to choke and I'm afraid that they will start cutting me up before I'm properly under. In other words, I lose my faith in anesthetics. It is not reason that is taking away my faith. On the contrary, my faith is based on reason. It is my imagination and emotions. The battle is between faith and reason on one side and emotion and imagination on the other. And that gets very challenging. This is the battle we all face when our emotions and our imagination start going out of control and we start thinking about what might be or we start thinking about this future that doesn't exist, our imagination takes over, we have to stand firm in our faith. We stand firm in what we know to be true, what we've reasoned to be true. We have to ride that out. We choose to believe that we're loved. We choose to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for us. We choose to believe that when we say no to that temptation, we say no to that sin, that a greater good's going to happen. We choose to believe even when we don't like feel like believing. You see, we aren't supposed to do this alone, and I think this is the one thing we miss. We're supposed to do this together. Look at what he says next. He tells us to be actively involved or be a part of a biblical community. This blows my mind, First Peter 5, 9. Resist hands standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And yes, they were, the specific persecution, but this is true of everything. All of us are dealing with the same things, guys. You weren't alone in that pandemic. We all went through it. You weren't alone in the suffering and pain. We all are going through this together as a church. We have to understand that we're all experiencing some sort of pain. Some sort of suffering, some sort of emotional thing. Peter says, look, you're not alone. As a church, I believe from the bottom of my heart, we have to have more open and honest conversations about things we're really dealing with, which is why I share my junk with you. So you can be like, well, that guy's messed up. I'm not as bad as him, right? I know, I do it too. We go, I'm not as bad as that guy. So here's what I'm dealing with. Because if we can have start open and honest conversation, realize we're not alone, We're all dealing with it to different levels. And I get that. And and, and I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing what you're going through. But we all of us have to work through this stuff. And perhaps we don't share everything, but we need to ensure that others can get help and others can express their pain and we can understand that we're not alone. See, Peter's encouragement was, look, you're not alone. And my encouragement is, look, you're not alone. And you don't have to be alone which is why it's important for us to be a part of a biblical community. And that doesn't happen through just worship services, though I'm glad we worship together. It happens about being intentional, about getting together with fellow believers in a more intimate environment and sharing our hearts, sharing our struggles, sharing our pain. And you say, well, I don't wanna sit around with a bunch of people doing that. It's because you don't do it and you need to. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to to express our pain. And this can happen in Sunday school groups, small groups, whatever ministry we want to call, call it. But all of us need an authentic, honest community to hold us accountable and allow us to share and deal with our struggles and our pain because we need each other. There is strength in community. And that's a Christian thing. So if we bring this together and find out, this is what Peter kind of walks us through. He says this, next slide. He says, you're not alone and you don't have to be alone. Express your pain to God and ask for help. Resist the enemy. And that's, that's hard, that's, that's not passive. Resist the enemy and be alert and be sober. Stand firm and fight. Be actively involved in a biblical community. And look what he says in verse 10. And the God of all grace, whew, God, he starts bringing up grace. I think about my failures the first part, right? And he swoops in. And the God of all grace, thank you, Lord. Who called you? It wasn't your idea to know him. It was his idea. He called you. He loves you. Not your idea. He called you into his eternal glory in Christ. And after you have suffered a little while, I hope that just means a week. But it can be a lifetime. A lifetime. But after you suffered a little while, will himself ah, restore. Praise God that's coming. Restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We can never forget that we utterly dependent upon the grace of God. And he may need to take you and probably will take you to a place where you stop having self-reliance. Stop thinking you got this and you can figure it all out. He's going to need to take you to a pain where you realize you need him and you need his grace alone. And that is not fun, but it deepens and strengthens your faith because after suffering, he will restore you. And this can mean this little while can be your whole life or it can be a shorter period of time. It just depends on what God wants to do. And I hope you understand that. But Christian, there is hope. Don't give up that suffering that you're dealing with, the things that I dealt with in the past, how I grew up. It has made me who I am today, and I'm so thankful for that because I couldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for what I went through back then. Does that mean I enjoyed going through that? Nope. But I'm okay with where I'm at now. So we don't give up, Christian. There is hope. God can bring you through this, and look what he says at verse 11. He reminds us. It's like a doxology. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Do you believe in an all-powerful, gracious God? That's what the Bible teaches us. That's who we are dependent on, utterly dependent upon the grace of God. And this can be and is often with medical professionals, but let's make sure we're not thinking they're God. We cannot detach from God thinking we're going to get better. It's with God and with the medical community. God works through that all the time, so express your pain. Be aware of the lies. Stand firm and fight. Be actively involved in a biblical community. And our spiritual life, this is my plea for you, our spiritual life is radically important. It's just as important as anything else for your physical and emotional health. And what I want to encourage you to do is when you're struggling emotionally, when you're struggling mentally, I want you to encourage your spiritual life and don't walk away from all of that and just go to this professional over here and thinking, ah, well, that God stuff, that doesn't really matter. Oh boy, does it? Don't walk away from the Lord. Walk to the Lord. Walk to the church. Walk to your community. We want to help you and walk with you through all of those struggles because you're not alone. And so if you're dealing with that today, I just ask you to seek help. If you don't know where help is, your help's ready to come to me, come to Scott. Any of the pastors here, go to your Sunday school, small group leader. Go to somebody that you trust and say, hey, I need help. Here's what I'm dealing with. Talk with somebody. For me, remember, I had to reach out to a mentor and just say, so I'm a grown man and I think I need help. Do you know how fun that is? On my to-do list, that was last It's not easy being vulnerable, emotional vulnerable, and going as a grown man, going to another man, saying, I need some help. That is not something I wanted to do at all, but yet I'm so thankful that I did. So if you're not okay, reach out to someone. The church is a safe place. Your pastors are safe people to talk to, to pray, and help you work through this. No matter what you're going through, there is hope. Paul says this in Romans eight twenty eight. He says, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've called, been called according to his purpose. I have seen God work in so many situations, I couldn't believe it. Whatever you're dealing with or struggling with, God can redeem it. He can bring healing to you. He can bring healing to your family or your children or whatever that may be. And that devastation and your pain, God can work through that. I've seen it time and time again. He reminds me of how powerful he really is. And how if we take what he says serious, how he works in that. In amazing and redeeming ways. So don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing forward. Allow that perseverance and that resilience to be built up in your life all through his grace. Keep believing. Deny those lies. Because through those experiences, God can do great things. Because if he can use me, can't imagine what he can do with you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today right after Christmas, right after the, the high of the holidays, Lord, to just probably go down into this low. And Lord, we give that to you, our pain and our struggles mentally, physically, emotionally. Lord, we give those to you, Lord, and we say we just can't handle this by ourselves. Lord, we thank you for the professionals. We thank you for our our culture, who've taken this stuff a little uh, far more serious than in the past, and we're learning more about mental health and emotional health and how to work through those, Lord. But Lord, I pray that everyone here and anyone who hears this, they take their spiritual life serious on top of those issues to realize that spiritually, spiritually can have a massive impact on our emotional and mental health. So Lord, I pray that together as Christians, we use both medical health professionals, but also We follow you and your word. We listen to what it says. We stand on the truths. We understand we have a real enemy. Lord, this spiritual battle is exhausting. It's tiring. It wears us out. At times we want to just throw in the towel and say, all right, Lord, we can't do it anymore, but we know that you will give us strength. We know that you have to teach all of us to come to the end of ourselves. And it's at the end of ourselves you will pick us up. You will lift us up and we will rest in your power and your grace. Lord, that is not fun for any of us to walk through, but Lord, we know it's needed. So, Lord, we trust you. We rely upon you. We put our faith in you. Lord, we just pray for those who are struggling. Lord, we pray they reach out and seek help. They talk to someone. They know they're not alone. They don't have to be alone. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.